Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are served from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band, full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more info. That you, like many Republicans, when President Obama used executive authority without congressional approval, you opposed it. I'm going to quote from you in 2014 when the president uh, was considering executive action on guns. You said, time and again, the president, this being Obama, has chosen to push his authoritative agenda with little regard for constitutional process. Why is the president not doing exactly what you criticized President Obama for? Because you can't change a law on guns or immigration with the stroke of a pen. If, I, if somebody was trying to change a law, that would be a very different situation than a president saying, I'm declaring a national emergency on the border. I'm not appropriating new money out of thin air. I'm actually switching resources from things like DOD counter drug to actually fighting drugs on the border through this emergency order. And it's focused on things that are a threat to the American people. Is there always consistency among Republicans and Democrats? No, that's something we have to accept. But in terms of what I say and what I see, I think it is consistent to oppose a president that would attempt to change a law versus a president that would attempt to take existing resources and enforce a board, thing like border security. Exactly. When you want to violate one of my rights, <clears throat> I think that's quite different than the president trying to preserve my freedoms. Just saying. One of the things that uh, I'm grateful for are a handful of people who are able to articulate the constitutionality of uh, the president doing what he's doing. And I have examined this and I've talking to, talking, talked to a number of experts, um, and they all agree with me. There is nothing unconstitutional about what he's doing. There is absolutely no reason for Congress to fight him on this. Uh, I think Rand Paul is off base. And I believe, you know, in my heart of hearts that they'll take this to the courts after he uh, vetoes the resolution and that he will prevail. But in the meantime, I got 76,000 people that crossed the border in February. Does anybody have a suggestion to how we process these people? Because you have to have a lot of manpower. You have to have big facilities if you want to process 76,000 people a month. I mean, just, I want you to just think about that number. I know we're used to talking in millions and billions and even trillions. But think about, oh, I don't know, the amount of people that live in your home. You know, maybe you have three, maybe four, maybe five people living in your house. How many times does five go into 76,000? I don't have my calculator on me. But trust me, you really don't want to think about that many households crossing the border in one month. Because I don't know how we're expected to sustain this. You know, today on the various networks, it's whether or not the president will cooperate with all these subpoenas. It's whether or not there'll be more subpoenas. And then, like as an aside, once an hour, they talk about the fact that we now have these satellite photographs, uh, images, that show increased activity at a North Korean, a, uh, North Korean missile site. So here's the question. 
if they're rebuilding a rocket test site and the Congress is busy conducting investigations into every person who ever had a phone conversation with President Trump, how are they going to address this national security issue? Not that I don't think his team will address it. They will. But Congress should immediately uh, suspend everything else they've got going and start having uh, some hearings and start having some briefings, classified briefings, mind you, with members of the national security team and find out what this means. If they're rebuilding missile sites, then there needs to be further conversation, don't you think? With the little uh, rocket man who apparently was not happy with the way President Trump walked away from those meetings in Vietnam. But instead of, uh, you know, actually addressing that, Congress is brutally attacking the Department of Homeland Security secretary over families being torn asunder at the border, even though she has said quite clearly that every family is given an opportunity to take their children back with them when they're being deported. If they choose not to do that, how is that the DHS secretary's problem? You know, her job is to secure the border. Her job is not to uh, be a social worker. And as I pointed out earlier, when Sheila Jackson Lee was hammering her on this issue, you know, when is Sheila Jackson Lee going to take up and defend all the parents who get separated from their kids as a result of incarceration who are never given an opportunity to get things right on the street? That'll never happen, right? Well, this, what, where, what's in that for for uh, Sheila Jackson Lee. Nobody's going to put her on television if she talks about that. But she'll get a whole lot of FaceTime if she badgers Kirsten Nielsen. That's why, you know, the day that we decided that we were going to broadcast all these things, it was with the idea that transparency was going to make us better, going to give us more information that we'd have an opportunity to hear for ourselves. And instead... It turned it into a circus, a three-ring circus, where now we're watching this committee and that committee and this uh, speaker standing on the steps uh, being interviewed by this reporter or this pundit, and, and we, I don't feel like I, I know anything else. As a matter of fact, I feel like every bit of reportage that I've heard in the last, um, I don't know, two years has been colored by opinion. I can't even remember the last time I saw a straight-up news report. Maybe, uh, you know, Brett Baer. And, and maybe, well, I can't even say Shep Smith because he's just, he's a, you know, he's a liberal. So he, he gives the liberal perspective on a news show. I don't know what Brett Baer is. I really don't. I've never heard his opinion. I, the most emotional I've ever seen Brett Baer get was when he was describing his near-death experience experience uh, on the road with his family in uh, some ski town other than that he's a completely passive um you know his delivery is even he brings people from all opposing viewpoints and uh, uh, uh viewpoints that i agree with on i i really don't know
I don't know what Brett Baer, where he stands on these issues. Um, there used to be another reporter on that station that I didn't know where he stood. And then, of course, uh, they decided to go after him personally. The Obama administration did. And they, they even went after his parents, uh, tapping phones and all the rest of it. But, you know, there were never any scandals and there was never anything untoward in the Obama administration. I keep getting told that. It's as if they could wipe away uh, Benghazi and everything else with just a wave of their hand. I'm sorry, maybe it's me. But I really, I expect more from these high-paid slobs that call themselves reporters. You know, these guys are making high six and seven figure salaries and I walk away or I end up turning off their newscast because I didn't learn squat. That's what I said to my husband last night. I said, turn this off. No one is giving me any information that I haven't already heard five times. You can't do 24-hour news and, uh, and not become extraordinarily repetitive or extraordinarily opinionated. And that's what went wrong. CNN went from reporting news to having to tell a story and doing it over and over and over again until uh, the desired result, which is basically to poison the well. Nobody gets information that's unfiltered or unbiased anymore unless you're online looking it up yourself and doing a tremendous amount of research. And even there, I have to double check and triple check a lot of the reporting that I read online because I don't know if these people have any inside information or know what they're talking about. I really don't. And for the most part, I'd just rather ignore them and move on to the next site. And if I can get three or four websites that are telling me the same story and can back it up with maybe some uh, live eyewitness um, reporting, yeah, then I might, uh, I might believe it. Rare, hard to find. And I apologize because I know that we have news that's reported in this program on our station at the top of the hour. We have a national news. Um, Karen brings us the local news at the top and bottom of the hour and then Ron at the uh, top and bottom of the hour. And uh, I'd rather listen to Karen and Ron than to the big guys who do the national news because they t they just keep telling me the same story from the same perspective over and over again. And most of it is completely uh, useless to me. I can't process it. I can't um, make a decision based on it. I can't use it in any way. I won't use it on the air because I, you know, I, I don't believe it. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a mess. You know, I remember when my job was a whole lot easier, when I could pretty much take to the bank that some of these investigative journalists were actually doing investigations. Now, not only do I not believe they do investigations, they've actually told me. They don't feel the need to get, uh, you know, sources or to have two sources for a story. No, they'll run with one rumor coming out of one phone call from some unnamed source that's in the administration. Anyway, stay right where you are. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. The U.S. ambassador to Israel is a, a man named David Friedman. I just got an email from my friend Perry. He weighed in on this whole anti-Semitism controversy, which, by the way, this is the final proof that I, if I needed any more proof, and I really didn't, that uh, the Democrats are the uh, 
the the party of of anti-Israel and anti-Jewish sentiment, including some of the the ginos that are in there, the Jews in name only. Where's Ted Deutsch? I haven't heard him at all about this. I haven't really heard from Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, lately either. Um, and and he tweeted out on Wednesday that when bigotry of any kind rears its ugly head, it must be, and often is, condemned. Why isn't anti-Semitism afforded the same treatment, he asked, when as now anti-Semitism is front and center in the halls of Congress, why can't it be called out and rejected without qualification? Yeah, that's the question, because that's what they're doing. That's why they're refusing to vote on this resolution today, which, by the way, was weak to begin with is because they're getting pressure. You know, the most recent remark that Ilhan Omar made was she claimed that domestic support for Israel amounts to a, quote, allegiance to a foreign country. She made those remarks during a town hall meeting in D.C. And she said, I want to talk about the politics political influence in this country that says it is okay to push for allegiance to a foreign country. After being heavily criticized for the town hall meeting remarks, Omar tweeted, I should not be expected to have allegiance or pledge support to a foreign country in order to serve my country in Congress or serve on committee. That's the third time in three months that she has made negative comments in reference to Israel. When are they going to say enough is enough? You know, uh, I'm glad that uh, David Friedman called him out. I'm glad that President Trump called her out. She got caught up and she accused the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee, that is APAC, of course, of paying American politicians, paying them to support Israel. You know, does she, I wonder if she keeps uh, photographs up in her office of uh, hook-nosed bagel-eating Jews. That one she apologized for. Anti-Semitism is real, and I'm grateful for Jewish allies and colleagues who are educating me on the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. Until Sunday, and then I'll do it again. My intention is never to offend my constituents or Jewish Americans as a whole. Please tell me there were no Jewish Americans that voted for this woman. Please, just, just please tell me that. I mean, she'd made anti-Semitic comments prior to that. What a lame apology. That's what the president called it, a lame apology. President Trump told her to resign. (laughs) Well, listen, you know, maybe President Trump has been hypnotized by Israel. The unfortunate, as she referred to it, an offensive tweet that got her in trouble in in the first place. You can't make this up. If anybody, well, we know what happened to Steve King. If anybody on the right were to make a comment that was this bigoted towards Muslims, forget about it. You know, they'd be in big trouble. The Times called it a generational flight, a fight rather, that's taking place in Congress. Yeah, it's the young know-nothings fighting the people who actually know what the Holocaust was and would like to not give it any cover. But hey, you know, maybe I'm just insensitive or something. You just, uh, you know, you got, you got Bernie Sanders there, hero to the left, now, you know, the, the proverbial fundraising leader 
who just filled his ranks with every anti-Israel advocate that he could find. Two of his uh, advisors have deep ties to the anti-Israel community. You know, I guess Democrat socialist now also means you're an anti-Semite. I'm not sure. <laughs> you just He's got Faiz Shakir as his campaign manager and his foreign policy advisor, Matt Duss. These guys are lowlifes. Enjoy Friday night dinners at the American German Club. Doors open at 5 p.m. every Friday night of the year. Dinner, dessert, and coffee services are optional, serve from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. only. There's a live band from 7 to 11 playing ballroom, standards, party music, and German traditional. Full bar with liquor and wine, including German and domestic beers on tap. $10 for admission and dinner is just $12. Visit AmericanGermanClub.org for more information. So I actually had, I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody that I'm very, very close to uh, and who is a member of the Democrat Party asked me who I thought was to blame for this actual embrace of the anti-Semitism that's running ramshod in Congress. And... Uh, I, I actually emailed her an article by Michael Goodwin, who I absolutely love, writes in the New York Post. I've, I met him uh, one time, and I was so impressed. We were at a dinner party, and I just lucked out. You know, so the hostess always sat people according to how she thought they would have interesting conversation. So, you know, like my husband would be at the far end of a table talking to some ambassador from, uh, you know, Uruguay or something. And I'd be at this end of the table next to a journalist and a dean or whatever. She, she just knew exactly how to pair people up for having great conversations. And I had a phenomenal conversation that night with Michael Goodwin. And this is some 10 years back. And ever since, I've been a huge fan. Read his articles. Invite him on the show quite frequently. But he wrote... A uh, an interesting, interesting piece today, or yesterday, I guess it was, where he says, with zero apologies to the Reverend Jeremiah Wright, the chickens of the Democratic Party are coming home to roost. Whew. Uh, if everybody remembers, that's uh, exactly what uh, Reverend Wright said when the towers were hit on that September 11th and the Pentagon and uh, a plane crashed into the ground. He said that our chickens, America's chickens, had come home to roost and then he proceeded to curse this country. Uh, now, the the Democrats are a little upset, not very upset, but a little upset over these anti-Semitic comments that uh, Representative Omar, why is my chair sinking down? Every, you got the special chair that what I would is be this? over here mad about all what the time? What is this? Yeah, that's the chair I used to get stuck with. But why did it just suddenly... What is happening? You're shrinking. What? what? Get rid of this chair. Throw this chair out in my life. We don't have replacement chairs. So well, we I'd we rather get. stand then. I don't sit all the time. I'm sure something's wrong with that one too. 
Yeah, I mean... Wait, that's Bill's. Bill's makes sure he gets a nice chair. This is Bill's? Yeah, if it's yeah, Bill's chair... Yeah, this is mine. The one with up. the stain on the side is mine. Well, you guys can sort that out. No. Well, he'll just have to sit on the shrinking chair. Why does Jennifer have to sit on the shrinking chair? She's got seniority of both, over both me and Bill. Only over me by a, two months, but... I'm not getting involved in this argument. <laughs> nope. Anyway... So, you know, these the, the Speaker of the House would want to pass this resolution condemning anti-Semitism and, you know, especially this myth of dual loyalty that uh, Representative Omar is guilty of having said. But apparently the rest of the uh, House is not that upset with them. Her colleagues are not, are not mad enough to even put her name in, in the resolution and they don't even have the votes. To vote on it. So they watered it down. And they condemn all kinds of hate, including Islamophobia. Give me a break. You know, this kind of, and this is what Michael, Michael Goodwin says, their cowardice is not incidental to the problem. It is the problem. Nor is it a coincidence that the Democratic Party is increasingly both the anti-Israel party and home to a growing number of anti-Semites. To be clear, the two things are not always the same, but something is going on when both are defining elements of a political organization. Well said. He goes on to say, One obvious truth is that Dems have failed to deal with anti-Semitism forthrightly and now are confronted by a metastasizing cancer in their ranks. Years ago, like in 1984, when Jesse Jackson referred to New York as Jaime Town, the outcry was slow at first, but eventually unanimous. But Democrats are a different party today, in part because they moved sharply to the left under President Obama. He had both prominent Jewish backers and a 20-year relationship with Reverend Jeremiah Wright, whose sermons mixed anti-Semitism with anti-Americanism. Another development was Obama's effort to lure Iran in, in from the pariah state, cold, despite its vow to eliminate Israel. And as part of the party's increased focus on social justice and income inequality, it found itself making common cause with radical bedfellows, including Occupy Wall Street, anarchists, and other fringe elements. Antifa. To this day, the Nation of Islam's Louis Farrakhan, who has long embraced dehumanizing imagery and language about Jews, you know, they're just termites and monkeys, is nonetheless held in high regard by some Democrats, including a handful of top black elected officials. A 2005 picture of Obama with Farrakhan taken at a CBC event only recently surfaced, with the photographer saying he was pressured to keep it secret to protect Obama from criticism. Tellingly, the emergence of the photo did more to normalize Farrakhan than to hurt Obama. While some far-left groups incorporate anti-Semitism into their global conspiracy theories, others couch their criticism of Israel only in political terms. Yet they never hold despotic regimes, such as Iran, Russia, or China, to the same standards they hold Israel, reflecting both their own implicit bigotry and much of the United Nations as well. 
Consider the two groups, the BDS uh, uh, movement and Students for Justice in Palestine, which sometimes overlap and have vocal representation on many college campuses, including those in Heimita, I mean, New York City. I'm just using uh, Jesse's word. The standard indoctrination equates Zionism with colonialism and Jews with white oppressors. To be fair, these ideas are echoed in the national liberal media, including the New York Times, where Israel is blamed for everything wrong in the Middle East and where demands are made on Jews to make major concessions for peace, while excuses are made for the fact that many Muslims refuse even to recognize Israel's right to exist. Is it any surprise that there is a rise of anti-Semitic incidents in America and in New York, where such incidents make up more than half of the hate crimes reported? The various threads of Jew hatred, ancient and modern, discreet and naked, meet in the person of Linda Sarsour, a BDS supporter who helped found the Women's March, part of the resistance movement against President Trump. Sarsour, a Palestinian-American, has made numerous anti-Jewish statements, and she and other leaders of the movement stand accused of discriminating against Jewish women. Sarsour, who supported Bernie Sanders in 2016, is also a big supporter of Mayor Bill de Blasio and received city grants for her Arab-American association, including $500,000 in 2016 alone. Naturally, Sarsour defended Omar, and Tuesday she denounced Pelosi for even trying to condemn her anti-Semitism. Nancy Pelosi is a typical white feminist upholding the patriarchy, doing the dirty work of powerful white men, Sarsour wrote on Facebook. God forbid the men are upset. Ah, yes. Race, gender, religion... They wouldn't be Democrats if identity politics weren't driving the bus. None of this is to suggest that there are no anti-Semites on the right. There clearly are, including those in white supremacist groups, such as appeared in the infamous 2017 rally at Charlottesville. At least some are members of the Republican Party, but there's a major difference as it relates to Israel and Judaism. The evangelical Christian movement is almost exclusively Republican, and it is a fervent supporter of Israel, growing out of biblical history and because Israel allows access to Christian holy sites in Jerusalem that were, most clo that were mostly closed under Arab rule. And as a result, any Republican who does not support Israel likely would be shunned by the evangelical movement, which in some states constitutes the largest single block of GOP voters. As Democrats tear themselves apart over what to do about Omar, if anything, they must first realize they have no one to blame but themselves. Maybe then they will realize that anti-Semitism, like most cancers, is fatal unless it's removed. Beautifully written, uh, you know, my friend Michael Goodwin at the New York Post. And unfortunately, and I, I do say this unfortunately, because I don't think any party should be defined by its worse. But the Democrats have turned the worse into a cause celeb. They really have. Their defense um, of Omar and Tlaib 
and uh, you know Maxine Waters and some of these other people who are blatantly racist. They don't like white people. They don't like uh, you know Republicans. They don't like this. They don't like Christians. They don't like that. You know, um, they found a home in the Democrat Party that won't bother them. The Republican Party they can exist, but they'll get uh, they'll get bothered and they'll probably get voted out. It's just it's it's just so you know it's grievous it really is, and that's why you know I bring these things to your attention because they're not talking about this you know they're not talking about this anti-Semitism it's very uncomfortable for the liberal media to have to talk about this because they've played this hand they've played into this forever they'd much rather talk about R Kelly and that's pretty much all they're talking about today. There's a whole lot of wealthy people who are going to say, I might have been with you, but not if you're going to take my money. Now you've got a right. bunch of opponents that you didn't necessarily need to have. Right, right. But, I mean, and, and one of the aspects of politics is that there are a lot of trade-offs. So for me, I think that one thing that I'm unafraid to make conscious decisions about is to say, we're going to make a decision. We may lose a few people here, but we're doing that so that we can address an entire community over there. Mm -hmm. And for a very, very long time, the issues most pertinent to working people, to communities of color, to frontline communities, to communities most impacted always get left behind. They're always the people that, that are negotiated out. And I think for once we need to have someone that's negotiating them in. What a bunch of crap. I mean, I don't, th I don't even know if she believes that stuff. I read an interview with her mother who lives down here in Eustis, Florida now because she had to flee the high taxes in the state of New York. She's Puerto Rican, and she said, we didn't raise our kid to be a socialist, but she's a Democrat socialist. Like, they think that because you add the word Democrat to it, it changes it. It doesn't change it. And that philosophy that she's talking about is detrimental. And, and there's no way around that. But hey, if she keeps getting friendly interviews, then she'll keep being portrayed as, you know, Bernie Sanders in a dress and much younger and better looking. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials report that they are referring an average of 55 migrants per day to hospitals. Over the past four years, this resulted in a taxpayer cost of $98 million. Now, just to put that in perspective, we had 76,000 people come across in just February. So whatever numbers you're looking at, now multiply them by, oh, I don't know, five, six. That's how much money we're going to end up spending if we keep going for the next four years in the direction that we're heading. And I don't know about the rest of you, but spending $400 million on taking illegal immigrants in for medical care. It may sound very humanitarian, but it doesn't sound very fiscally practical or possible. The uh, idea that first and foremost, you're taking Border Patrol agents and you're pulling them off the national security mi mission to assist migrants get their medical needs meant is crazy. The increased flow of migrants combined with the stress of the journey the crowded trucks and buses that they're traveling in, the flu season, 
means that you're going to have medical referrals galore for the Border Patrol. And God forbid anything goes wrong, as it did with a young girl who uh, was in bad shape when she got here and she did not survive. It immediately was blamed on the Border Patrol. Imagine, we're talking about referring 31,000 people for medical treatment this year alone. That's up from 12,000 in 2018. It's an increase of 158% if we continue uh, at the rates that we're seeing these people coming across our border. And, and it impacts the Border Patrol. They spend hours, 57,000 hours at a hospital or medical facility, all total. That's just under, I don't know, 5,700 shifts of hospital watch during these 72 days at a cost of $2.2 million in Border Patrol salaries. And they're not doing their job. I mean, they're doing what has now become their job, but which was never their job before. Uh, the Custom Border Patrol Commissioner, Kevin McAllenin, I, I heard his name pronounced, but I can't do it myself, told reporters that since December, they've interviewed 27,000 juveniles in the medical screening process. Certified medical practitioners have screened an additional 12,000, he stated. Now, let me ask you a question. Are the people in our communities getting this kind of, uh, of attention? I have a friend right now who cannot get an appointment with a doctor because she doesn't have an insurance policy that anyone will accept. I have advised her that she needs to go down to the border, slip into Mexico, and then come back across and, uh, and tell them about your problems. She's got uh, leg cramps and, and her, her, her bronchitis is acting up. You know, they'll get you to a hospital, I promise you. But they're not going to get you to a hospital if you're just an average old American citizen. McAleen said his agency is responding by creating a temporary central migrant processing center in the El Paso sector in order to protect the health and safety of the families and children in custody. While our enhanced medical efforts and the creation of new facilities will assist, oops, we just can't get a handle on it can't make this stuff up.